When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth and seven. Blitz comes. Peasley hit as he throws. It's caught! Touchdown, Wyoming! Gillenborg! Peasley hung in there! Happy Sunday morning. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. You just heard Andrew Peasley throwing the touchdown that didn't quite win the game for Wyoming against Texas Tech. That required a two-point conversion that was perfectly blocked right afterward. But what a game. What an end to the first Saturday of week one. It was glorious. Beautiful finish. Texas Tech took a big lead on Wyoming. Wyoming stormed back. Texas Tech found their offense, tied the game, forced overtime, and then with a hurt quarterback and a hurt long snapper, the Cowboys won it. And Laradice was partying. It was a beautiful scene, a beautiful way to close out the first Saturday of week one. But we really have to go back to the beginning because that's what we got to talk about. And so the format for these shows is going to be a little bit different than it was last year. Last year, we would get together at the end of the night, talk about all the games, but it was very hard to remember everything. So now we're doing instant reaction shows after each window of games. So you will hear fresh takes right as they happened and then go through the day with us. Of course, this particular Saturday, the earth-shattering game happened in the noon Eastern time window. That was Colorado going to Fort Worth and beating TCU. Jesse Samington and I broke that all down. Coach Prime, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter with maybe the best two-way performance in, I don't know, five decades, six decades. Somebody with a leather helmet was probably the last guy to have as good of a two-way performance as Travis Hunter had Saturday at TCU. It was incredible. Let's break it down. Welcome to the instant reaction show from Andy Staples on three. I'm Andy. He's Jesse Simonton. And we just watched Coach Prime go beat TCU. Four 100-yard receivers. Travis Hunter with the best two-way performance we've seen in college football since I don't know when. Deion Sedlow put a hot tub on the plane for him. (laughs) No gimmick. Got the receipts. I mean, I'm still coming down from that. That was – I I was totally wrong. I I had TCU – minus 20 because I just thought this is a team that punted literally legitimately punted on spring practice 50 some odd new players obviously a brand new coaching staff we don't know what Shadur Sanders is going to look like uh you know making the transition and it was remarkable and I mean a transcendent performance by Travis Hunter was just one of many unbelievable things in this game but Man, Fox got their money's worth for the big new kickoff to start the season. I, I I thought they would be better, but I thought it would take a while 
for them to get competitive and, and that they'd need another year or so to get the kind of linemen that you need to, to be good at this level. They schemed around it for the most part. You know, yeah. Sean Lewis, that offense looked a lot like the Kent State offense, but they, they snapped it fast. Shador Sanders got the ball out of his hands very fast. They didn't ask too much of that offensive line, but honestly, they, they protected him well when he needed time. Well, not only that, I think, you know, Sean Lewis, I thought, did a masterful job manipulating the pocket where he would he kind of really moved it around on TCU's mm-hmm. front. And while they obviously did wear down late, uh, you know, they got the ball into their playmakers' hands. And it was, hey, these are the two plays. Either run around and throw the ball to Travis Hunter and Jimmy Horn or toss it out short and let maybe the fastest guy on the field uh, mm-hmm. and Dylan, you know, go run and just scoot three touchdowns. Unbelievable. Well, and, and I mean, Dylan Edwards was, was incredible. That's his first college game. And <laughs> he played high school football in Kansas, but uh, Dion had known him since he was four years old. And when, when he flipped to Colorado, it was a big deal. And the thing is, like, all of the recruiting wins that Dion got, Seem to have come through. Uh, Jeff Fuller in the chat. When was the last time the hiring of a coach was validated after one game? I don't care what Colorado does the rest of this year. They've been horrible in seasons prior. Holy cow. That's the truth. This team was awful. Awful. And they just went and beat the team that, that played for the national title last year. I mean, this is also, you know, Dion, that, that opening uh, salvo that he delivered to his team you know, that went viral way back in, in December when he took it over. Still still had a game to coach at Jackson State, and, and that was where he delivered the famous, I'm coming, I'm bringing my Louie. But what's hilarious about that message is that when you go back and read the words that he said, I mean, he really did deliver on – he has the receipts because he delivered on everything he said. Now, the irony is that room basically has five people still on the roster today because it has been largely – uh, you know, whitewashed completely. But I mean, to to talk as much talk as as he did, and to back it up, to walk the walk in one game, you know, on the road, hundred and ten degree field, just, I mean, I did not see that coming, and I'm still, I still am just stunned at at. And it was so much fun. I mean, this is what college, this is what we've been waiting nine months for. Did Nine you, and we, did you see who was watching the game? That, that's the thing. Deion Sanders is like, he has that Tim Tebow, uh, that, that like Bill factor. Simmons tweeting. Yeah. Like everything he does, people want to watch. And it was people who don't watch college football that were watching this game and talking about it. So we, Shador Sanders, by the way, 38 of 47 for 510 yards with four touchdowns. That is incredible. Just incredible. So, and he said after the game that he, you know, people were like, oh, you're a F, you know, HBCU quarterback. I've never thrown for this many yards in high school or an HBCU game. Yeah. First, yeah. first FBS performance. Well, and, and the thing is, we watched Nebraska play on Thursday night, Jesse. This team can play with Nebraska. Like, this team can beat Nebraska. I Don't you think they're going to be favored? I Maybe. They, they very well might because Nebraska's offense didn't look very functional against Minnesota's defense. So uh, it is, it is amazing how much it has changed. I thought, I thought he would be able to win eventually there. I did not think they'd be able to win immediately there. That that's the part I think is, is the most amazing to me. 
Well, let me rattle off. And I agree with that too. Long-term, I thought that this was going to be a successful, uh, whether he turned them into, you know, some top flight program or he was able to use it as a launching point. I do think that Dion was going to be a success. I was just incredibly impressed. And I tweeted it at halftime, just how well coached and crisply competent Mm -hmm. they looked. And this is, I mean, TCU was the team racking up all the penalties TCU was the team making kind of the self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, Whereas Colorado, yeah, they wore down. Depth is going to be a problem for this team all year. But they were not getting in their own way. And lo and behold, you make just enough plays. You get the one stop, the tackle on fourth and nine, and you pull off a 20-something point upset. Nathan Muir in the chat. All due respect to Al Michaels, but now I believe in miracles. (laughs) This is the thing. This is the type of game that gets a bigger audience to college football because we talked about Dion all season. He moves the meter, but everybody's watching, you know, Kevin Durant's watching this game. People who like, I saw Rich Eisen tweeting about it during a Michigan game, by the way, Rich Eisen doesn't usually uh, veer away from the Michigan games, but coach prime is going to be the show. And if they're winning, and I still, like, even after what I saw today, I'm still not convinced they're going to be competitive in the Pac-12 because that schedule's pretty hard. As you said, the deeper they get, the, the thinner the roster will probably look. But, I mean, they, they came out and showed that they have athletes. And the thing is, like, Travis Hunter and Dylan Edwards can compete with anybody. Like, they, they can play with anybody. Travis Hunter was the number one recruit in the country for a reason. Yeah, imagine him on Florida State tomorrow night. Cool. <laughs> I mean, well, I think, think about be, that. He wouldn't be playing that much. But okay, so I asked this question during the game on on Twitter, and got a lot of good answers. Who who has delivered this kind of two way performance in college football in recent years? And uh, Chris Gamble from Ohio State, the that national title team in tw- in two thousand two, was probably the the closest. Champ Bailey, uh, Miles Jack when he had to play running back for UCLA where he was, you know, running for a hundred yards and making 13 tackles in the same game. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in this era. I mean, we didn't, we weren't alive when dudes were wearing leather helmets and doing that. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted at you. I, I tweeted at you the first, my first thought was Champ Bailey because he wasn't all American that year. And he led a nine and three Georgia team in receiving with like 800 yards or something. But I think if, if Edward, if, if, if Hunter plays like this, He's going to topple those numbers, you know, by week 10. Yeah. I mean, he's at 130. I mean, he he was clearly Shadur's uh, favorite target. You watch Succession, Andy? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're a Succession fan? With, with how Shador Sanders performed today, I think we've now officially reached the Pac-12 quarterbacks are your favorite Succession character. Everybody's <laughs> awesome. Everybody's awesome. And everybody's going to have their own flavor. You're, you may, some are going to like Kendall Roy, some are going to like Logan, maybe you're a Shiv fan, but I mean, with Sanders now throwing for 500 yards, you throw his name in the list with Bo Nix, Penix, obviously Caleb Williams is going to be kind of the star, I think he probably is the Kendall, uh, but maybe you're a Roman guy, and now Shador Sanders, I mean, it's just... I, I think Shador's the, the, the Alexander Skarsgård character that comes in and buys okay, him. There you go. Okay, he's the he's the guy that that, that manipulates it at the end. Yeah. Exactly. It it is it is very exciting to think about this because I said on the show this week, 
if Dion wins four games this year, five games this year, build the man a statue. If he takes him to a bowl Agreed. game, I mean, you just you start putting bricks in there right now. Put the hot tub in the plane. Put the statue out in front of the stadium. Just do it right now. Oh. And I got a text, Jesse, from, from somebody right after this game ended. How dumb are Georgia Tech people when they could have probably had Deion Sanders if they'd have really tried to get him? Or, or South Florida. Auburn. Or Louisville. Auburn? Auburn? Or, yeah, Auburn. I yeah. think you're going to there, but still. I mean, again, the, the guy literally – when's the last time something has been this hyped up and delivered this – it, is it like the, iP- like the iPhone? <laughs> is it, that's, like, yeah, that's probably – I it, mean, is it something like that that was like this hyped up that literally on day one everyone was like, well, yep, totally – checks out. <laughs> no lies told. So here's a stat. Colorado had two 100-yard receiving performances last season for the entire season. Dylan Edwards, Travis Hunter, Xavier Weaver, and Jimmy Horn Jr. all went over 100 on Saturday. Here's another stat for you I saw right at the end of the game. Uh, Dylan Edwards had four touchdowns today, four total Mm -hmm. touchdowns. Colorado's best player a year ago for the entire 2022 season had four touchdowns. Led the team. It's amazing. Oh, man. Here we go, Sam. Let's pump the brakes and see how this plays out. Over No, we're not pumping the brakes, Sam. We're, it's week one. We're overreacting. That's what we're supposed to do. We only get 12 data points. I mean, you, you, you have to overreact a little bit, and that's, that's the fun of this whole deal. Again, no one was picking them to not only win today, but you know, 20, 21-point underdogs. So, uh, Dre no love in the chat. We're not going to talk about how bad Bryles was. Okay, so – one thing I will say about about Kendall Bryles and the and the TCU play calling, there was a point where I might have been yelling at my TV. It's 115 degrees on the field. Your offensive linemen are bigger than them. Just run the ball. But honestly, they were moving the ball fine. It wasn't like they weren't until that last drive they got stuffed. Yeah, I would say that I, I thought Kendall and I tweeted it during the middle of the game too. You know, the, the Mike Bobo run the damn ball. I mean, come on, like especially because. Uh, I think those backs, not only um, the, the trans- Trent Sanders from Alabama, but uh, Bailey, you know, had some wiggle back there and some big plays. The bigger concern for TCU is as good as Shador was, this is not going to be like the best offensive line, obviously, the Horn Frogs are going to face. And Joe Gillespie's defense couldn't do anything. That three three five stack was just I giving think a up lot of so it was much. Shador, though, because they could move the they could move the pocket move around. The pocket. Yeah, because they're not going to play. They, they'll play some court now. Dylan Gabriel can move pretty well. They, they got to actually no. I don't think Oklahoma has TCU. Um, but yeah, they're they're going to play some mobile quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. So I, I think they're going to have to they're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. But yeah, it's. Somebody, somebody in the chat said, oh, here we go. Philip smash mouth. A majority of the bus remaining schedule will be a cake call. No, it will not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got Oregon and Oregon USC the rest and... of this month. Yeah. No, this, this, the rest of this month is tough. So, But this is, this is the most excited I've been about something because, again, I'm not, I was never a Dion hater or a Dion doubter. I thought he'd be successful long-term at Colorado. I just didn't think he'd be successful right away. And the fact that he is doing this now makes me wonder how good can it be? And how fast? 
Yeah. Because if again, again, I think I think it bears repeating, Andy, because I mean, you've covered this sport for so long. I've been around it for a good while now. Neither of us probably could ever remember a team that literally just said, we're going to just punt on spring practice. Yeah. Because by, by adding 50 new players after the spring, kicking off that many guys or running, you know, however you want to, you know, label it. The fact that this literally was a brand new program, basically starting, you know, in May on May 1st and to, to have the goods come to this fruition this quickly. It's insane. B Bean asks, Andy, why didn't the Gators hire Dion? Oh. oh boy. That's a whole nother show, whole nother show. But yeah, this is, this is going to be very exciting. And you do wonder now where the ceiling is for Colorado. And I realize it's one game. I realized that there was no film on these guys, but I'll go back to that. The offense didn't look that different from the, what Kent State ran with Sean Lewis. So it's just there are faster people running it and, and a better quarterback running it. No offense to Colin Schley, but that's it's the tapes there. TC just couldn't stop it. No, and and you know, I mean, Cephas and some of the and you know, Des, Tez Walker are two really good receivers from Kent State a year ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Walker's name. You know, the NCAA completely screwing him. Cephas is going to make his debut uh, with Penn State tonight. But you run you run at that go-go speed, and you then, you know, marry that with the speed of Travis Hunter, Jimmy Horn, Dylan. I mean, Colorado is going to score points all season. I think we yes. know that. That's going to be a that, – that, that's a truism yeah, that, that you that, absolutely that, can take away from this game. They're probably going to be highly entertaining to the casual fan as well because – they're probably going to give up points all season. That's that's the other part of this. Is it, it, I think we're going to see quite a few of these games, and great. I can't wait because the rest of the the early afternoon window, Jesse, was not so exciting. Let me throw a score <laughs> up here for you. Let me throw a score on the screen for you. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma 73, Arkansas State nothing. Do they let Butch get on the plane? Well, General <laughs> Booty got in the game. That's all I know. <laughs> we got to see... We didn't get to see a whole half of Jackson Arnold because it was getting too embarrassing. So they let Davis Bevel play a little bit. Then they let General Booty play. But Oklahoma looked very smooth. Not much more to say about that. Here's one. Utah State, Iowa. The first two drives, I was convinced Brian Ferentz is going to get a lifetime contract. They, they had their first opening drive touchdown pass. First opening drive of a season touchdown pass since 1991, since Hayden Fry was coaching there. And then the second drive... They, they go for it on fourth down near the goal line, which with your defense at Iowa, you should do that. And uh, they throw a touchdown pass to Eric All, and you're like, these guys are going to be great. This is, this is all fixed. 24 to 14, he didn't even meet the requirement against Utah State. A point short in the opener. That, I, I, you know, one of my bold predictions was that the drive for 325 was not going to be a sweat. I think it's going to be a sweat. I think I'm there's going to be some because drama. I said the same thing you did. <laughs> I think there's going to be some drama with that. If you if you can only you know muster up 24 points against a Utah State team that, that does not have you know high expectations this year. Uh, Tennessee Virginia first half was a little. Uh, you know, J, JD Pickell and I had had envisioned this nightmare scenario where, where Joe Milton airmails a few balls and the Tennessee fans go nuts. Uh, and he was he was one 
I think it was one of nine on uh, passes over 10 air yards in the first half. He got it figured out in the second half. 49-10 Tennessee. They looked very, very efficient on offense after after they got it figured out. So not, not going to press any panic buttons there. They felt pretty good. The other guy who looked really good, J.J. McCarthy, in Michigan's 30-3 to win against East, East Carolina. I, I thought they let J.J., you know, unholster the uh, the cannon a little bit, which they didn't do a lot last year. Free Harbaugh. That's right. He, he, rolled, he rolled in with the free Harbaugh. I love it. I love it. Well, first window, Dion is the story. Travis Hunter is the story. Shadur Sanders is the story. Dylan Edwards is the story. This is going to make this season so much more exciting if they're good. I cannot wait to see what happens next. Jesse, that's how you start week one Saturday. Week one, incredible. The, fo- the, fo- the Fox folks are just, you know, they're just making it rain right now, how excited they are that they have big noon kickoff with Dion back-to-back weeks. You know they were sitting there before this game kicked off going, this could have been a terrible mistake. This Maybe yeah. this is her- did we mess up here? Did we do something wrong? And then after the game, they're like, woo, we're putting a hot tub on the plane too. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The middle of the day was about the quarterbacks. You had Michael Penix Jr. out in Seattle just carving up Boise State. Meanwhile, in Bloomington, we were waiting to see what would happen with the Ohio State quarterback situation. Needless to say, the way Ryan Day parceled out his playing time, we got our answer. Here are me and Jesse talking about those games. Welcome to another instant reaction, and it is not the uh, the shock of Colorado Oof. beating TCU, but uh, we did get to watch some fireworks, Jesse Simonton. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Penix Jr. just diced up Boise State. I mean, this is a pretty good Boise State defense and and Michael Penix Jr. just went off loving my loving my QB draft pick loving my QB draft pick I don't want to talk about it I think we both screwed up obviously not taking Shador Sanders in hindsight yes Uh, that that doesn't look great um but while Travis Sanders you know put together his Heisman uh reel in in the early window I think both of our guys mine Michael Penix Bo Nix had a great showing you know, for the Oregon Ducks there. I mean, the Pac-12s, man, they they got some dudes that can just straight sling it. Yeah, and and now we add Shador Sanders to that mix. And, you know, Michael Penix Jr. led the the nation in passing yardage last year. I got a feeling we're going to see him probably up there again this year. The, the question is, is he going to get himself to New York? And I, I would think you, you have games like this over and over and over again, and, and you will. But this is going to be a, a, a league where, you know, there, a lot of guys are going to put up big numbers. Now, Bo Nix put up huge numbers against a, a very overmatched opponent. What makes Penix so impressive is I think we're probably going to find out that Boise State's defense is it's not bad. And he made them look really bad. Well, and I would just say as a team, I think this is a 
kind of a statement for Washington yeah. because, you know, you know, you, you end that year with a lot of momentum. Obviously there's a lot of budding, budding optimism coming into this season and for you to come out and beat what I agree. I mean, I think Boise easily the way they finished the year under Andy Avalos last season, I think they're one of the favorites to get to the new year six from the G five. And so to just, you know, straight splattering them in, in the opener is, is, is a heck of a statement. Roma Dunze, seven catches for 132 yards. Jalen Polk, three catches for 101. Jalen McMillan, eight for 95. Dunze had a TD. Polk had a TD. McMillan had two TDs. I mean, they, they're not short on targets. I mean, even, even after Dylan Morris came in, they're still scoring. Well, what's also impressive, you know, and, and this is, you know, getting into the weeds for some folks because they see this score and they're just like, oh, overmatched opponent. Washington, they got the top 10 number next to their name, Boise State. Washington lost their their starting running back late in fall camp. Yeah. And for their offense to look like they missed nothing. Now, obviously, Penix is the trigger man. He's the engine that makes this thing go. But that's still not nothing. The kid rushed for, you know, double-digit touchdowns and 800 yards uh, last season. So, for them to not miss a beat there, Kalen DeBoer in openers remains money. He just – it's just a cash cow. This was a reason Washington minus 14 was was on my best bets. We, we each did best bets picks uh, for on three this week. That Washington minus 14 in this game was one of my best bets, and it was no sweat. And I think you you also saw why Ryan Grubb was was so sought after this offseason, why Alabama was interviewing for, for its OC position and, and why everybody else wanted to talk to him too this thing is tough to defend. Well, it's just, I mean, the, the way they spread you out, but they play with a little bit of tempo, but just the precision. I mean, it's Texas yeah. precision and it's just, uh, he's going to slice and dice you. And I mean, in the pack 12, you may have to score 40 to win a lot of these games. Did you see what Cal did? You talk about fireworks. Even yeah. Cal has 58 in the fourth People quarter against North a Texas solid that game. Yeah. I was going to say against a solid North Texas team. They got a first year head coach, but that's still a solid team. I mean, that's don't sleep on Spavital and what he's doing, you know, back, yep. back in, back in Berkeley. So Daniel Jones asks, is the PAC 12 that good? Or is their schedule that favorable pack eight? No start with four teams left to play. Well, Arizona, Southern Utah and, and Oregon, Portland state. Yeah. That, that's favorable, but TCU's a tough opener for Colorado. Boise State's a tough opener for Washington. Yet this is the best Pac-12 we've seen in a long time. And I mean, it's the last Pac-12 we're ever going to see. It's just it's just a shame that no one wants to watch these teams, Andy. And they had to break up the league and couldn't get a TV partner and could only find eyeballs for these teams if they were in other conferences. It's just a shame. It, it is amazing <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're shipping this off to – the Big Ten, what we just saw. Now, obviously, Penix won't be there, but I, it is what I, I think about this, though. Like the day that Washington went to the, the Big Ten, my first thought was, oh, they, they're going to get to keep Kalen DeVore now. Because they'll have the money, the finances to do it. Well, even if they're not getting a full share, they'll make sure they compete with the other teams in the league. And if he, if let's say the Pac 12 had stayed together or if they'd been kind of lost with everybody else then somebody from the Big Ten of the SEC would have swooped in and taken him. But now they can keep him. And I think that's a very promising thing for, for them, for football on the West Coast, because, look, Washington is not like 
most West Coast teams. Their fan base is rabid. They care deeply about football. Like this is, and that and that's why Washington and Oregon are going to the Big Ten. To be perfectly honest, but I was very concerned that he was going to do a great job, and then somebody in the Big Ten who who said, you know, we we played against you when you were at Indiana. We thought you drove us crazy, and then we saw what you did at Washington. They're just going to throw money at him, and be, he'd be gone. Yeah, like Indiana. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. Tom Allen and and and, yeah. and the Hoosiers showed themselves serviceably today and we can i'm sure we're going to talk about ohio state uh but i mean indiana's a team that absolutely could have come calling you know as soon as next season because while obviously washington as you just explained is a much deeper and you know prouder yeah. program Indiana's there should be no universe where indiana would be able to outbid washington for its head coach and that might have been possible if Washington weren't head of the Big Ten now, but that, that's not possible now. I'm glad you mentioned the Hoosiers, though, because Tom Allen, very good defensive mind, and I'd say they, they played pretty well defensively in a 23-3 loss to Ohio State. Now, we, we have a question in the chat right off the bat from Matt in Cleveland. Realistically, Ryan David said both McCord and Brown would play. Do we think he got scared and just figured let's play consistent with, with McCord and leave with a W? I would say so because he played Devin Brown one series in the first half, and then we didn't see him again till mop-up time. And I think I would center those concerns around what a lot of us had circled about Ohio State before the season or coming into this season. Obviously, there was the question, who's going to play quarterback? But I think Ryan Day was going to figure that out. That was going to solve itself between McCord and Brown. The bigger concern was could they replace these offensive tackles that went to the NFL? Well, they just – the offensive line could not really, you know, generate a lot of pre or push up front for a running game that only averaged, I think, four yards a carry. And while the pass protection wasn't bad, uh, you know, it was just they, they did not they were not able to scheme up big plays to Marvin Harrison and Mbuka and and some of these guys. I think this was the first time they haven't had a passing touchdown, you know, since the, the tornado they played in against Northwestern last season. Yeah, it was it was a slog. It was not fun to watch and. Look, Indiana, if if they're good defensively, then we'll figure this out. Because Ohio State will look better against future opponents and and Indiana will will the defense will will show it it looked like Indiana was was pretty fast on defense. And we can agree that that Tom Allen knows what he's doing in terms of defense. So that part, I'm not completely worried about Ohio State yet, but it was I don't know. It wasn't pretty. It was not smooth. They've got Youngstown State and Western Kentucky before they play against Notre Dame. Now, Western Kentucky is not going to be the easiest thing in the world because they're probably going to score some points on you. So I, I just I, I, I want to see more from Ohio State. I, I was not particularly impressed right off the bat. I didn't expect Indiana to score much on them anyway. But that's the part, you know, I, people say, well, how can you pick Penn State to win the Big Ten? Because I'm not sure Ohio State is what it has been. I think it might be Penn State. Penn State's got to beat Michigan to win the Big Ten. So I, so I mean, you led me right where I was going to go, which is I did pick Ohio State to make it to the playoff and, and lose in the national championship game. Uh, but what I was thinking about for the majority of the fourth quarter, as they were just kind of you know winding this game down, is what sort of opportunity does this present for Penn State later tonight? And you're going to – obviously the listeners will hear this and you're going to tease, you know, talk about it uh, after that game. But if they can make a statement against West Virginia 
and come out and say, Hey, we are here. You know, Dion's out here saying I am, you know, I am him. Travis Hunter is him. Penn state has the same chance to do that as a team collectively tonight against a power five opponent, you know, big 12. I know there's not a lot of expectations around West Virginia, but if you put a spanking on, uh, on them, you know, suddenly folks will believe that, Hey, maybe it really is a three team race in the big 10 East. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what, what Penn state looks like, you know, Michigan, I think they looked about how I thought they'd look. I, I was actually kind of impressed that they let JJ McCarthy throw it around a little bit more than they did early last season. And I, I would imagine that's a, that's probably calculated because you're going to need to do that if you want to win another big 10 title. So get him ready and, and let him throw and be prepared when you get to those games, when you're really going to need him, you know, it, as far as some of these other games, uh, let, let's, let's talk about Wisconsin. Speaking of the big 10, uh, the dairy raid. And we've been telling you all along that when, when Phil Longo has good backs and a decent offensive line, he's going to run the ball. They ran all over Buffalo. <laughs> Chesma Lucy and Braylon Allen. Let's see. I'm not great at math, but they combined for 298 yards on the ground on 30 carries. That's a pretty good average. Yeah, I mean, Longo told me. I mean, I had a column with him uh, at On3 earlier this summer, and he literally told me that, you know, the one disagreement he ever had with Mike Leach was about how he does like to run the ball, and he would run the ball. And he did it at Sam Houston State, and he certainly did at times in North Carolina. Um, the problem, I think, for Wisconsin today, just getting some eyes on that game, you know, there's still some kinks that's got to be worked out with Tanner Mordecai. You know, his yeah. the raw stats that he has – at, at SMU were unbelievable. But when he kind of made that leap, when they would ever play, you know, power five competition, he would struggle. Obviously this was not that this was Buffalo, but a couple interceptions, the passing game just wasn't quite, uh, you know, uh, um, in, in kink, but that's it's, it's week one. So you kind of right. expect some of these little hiccups there here and there. Yeah. You're not going to average this much per carry against better teams. You're going to need Tanner Mordecai to, to bail you out sometimes. So he, he will have to do that. The, but the, I was I was pleased to see this because this is what I thought they were going to be, and this is this is what they need to be personality wise. This is what they need to be, and you know I I think Wisconsin will probably grow into this offense. We'll we'll see how Mordecai does, but yeah, it did look like he was forcing a little bit at times. I saw he had a, there, there were a few drops though as well, so they just got to get that cleaned up. Uh, Rice and Texas also no drama. Texas is uh, is tuned up for Alabama. They they were a little bit sluggish at first, but then they just turned on the Jets, and I, I was I was pretty impressed. I I like I like what I saw from Quinn, and I love those weapons. I've been so high on on JT at tight end, and then obviously AD Mitchell caught a touchdown. You have Xavier Worthy with a big game. You hit your over in your in your picks uh, or prize picks. Over yep. what is it, sixty-eight yards or, or whatever? I yeah, think more, more than more than sixty-seven and a half yards on on my prize pick square on uh, on Xavier Worthy, and I also had more than three hundred ten, uh, more than three hundred ten and a half for Michael Penick. So I got that that those two cashed, and uh, it's yeah, uh, Worthy. But uh, the J.C. Sanders touchdown, the catch and run, like that's what you want from him. And I get, I know it's Rice, but they. It, Again, this is what I keep saying about Texas. I need to see them do it when they're not, you know, when they're not motivated by the opponent, when it's not 
Alabama or it's not Oklahoma. And they looked like they cared. They looked like they were ready. And that's all you could ask for in a game like that. Yeah, some offensive line. The offensive line got off to a bit of a slow start and definitely picked it up in the second half. I think they ended the game allowing eight tackles for loss. That's not going to cut it in Tuscaloosa, but I think you're going to get a sharper performance to what to your point. You know, when, when they kind of play one of these bigger bigger opponents here starting next weekend. Yeah. So, by the way, we're not done with Dion yet, Jesse. We, we he had a <laughs> press conference after the game. We, we we talked about that game after as, as soon as it ended. But his press conference hadn't happened yet. Are you ready for some Dion post game? Here's Dion post game. What we accomplished out there today, ain't none of y'all believe that. Maybe a couple of y'all that knew me and know how I get down. They know I, I'm a winner. We're going to end up winning. Ain't none of y'all thought you was going to be sitting up here. And you, was, you was supposed to be on the other side, you know, interviewing that or coming and asking me, well, what happened? You said this and you said that. Yeah. Now what? Now what? Everybody quiet now. Now what? Come here, dog. Yeah. It's one of our guys that does this podcast. I appreciate you, man. God is I appreciate you, dog. Straight up. I appreciate you, dog. Keep on doing what you do. Thank you. That's one of our supporters when none of y'all was supporting us. He had our back. You believed, didn't you? I did. All right. What's up, boss? You believe now? You, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no. Do you believe in that? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sipped it through all that. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? You don't believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. People are like, Dion shouldn't be chiding the reporters. They're not supposed <laughs> to be true. He's having fun. Let the man have some fun. He just beat TCU. And in this particular case, he did have a lot of people say that this couldn't happen. This wasn't Kirby Smart convincing Georgia that, that people were saying they'd go seven and five. This was – there were a lot of people who thought Dion would fall flat on his face today. As, as I wrote at the, at the end of my column about this game and on three, if you thought the Dion – if you were sick of the Dion Sanders infomercial before this game, before they played, now that he's 1-0 – Man, it's it's it is going to be prime time all the time, and and he's going to tell you. He told you he was coming, and the dude delivered in spades in his first game as an FBS head coach. So, how about Travis Etienne, the Jacksonville Jaguars running back, former Clemson star, writing, uh, tweeting, "Little bro needs to go play for Prime." Talking about Trevor Etienne, who plays for Florida right now. Travis later said he was kidding, but. Here, here, here's a question that somebody asked me in the Dear Andy mailbag, and I think this is, if this works, if, if this one game isn't a flash in the pan, if, if the Dion thing is successful, and I, by successful, I mean they're just, they're winning. Even if they go a bowl game this year, that is very successful. Even if they miss a bowl game by a little bit, that's still successful compared to what they were. But let's say they win like seven, eight, nine games. Like, Will every coach in the country who takes over a program now try to completely flip the roster? Yes. And I think the larger question is, will Deion Sanders still be at Colorado next season? <laughs> uh, or admit, I guess he probably will. Cause he probably, I think he probably will. He, would, would he wants there. to coach Sanders. He wants to coach Shadour and Travis, you know, one more year. Uh, but man, if, if he wins seven or eight games, 
he will not be in Boulder long. No, it, it's it's pretty amazing how much the 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 profession is cop you know a bunch of copycats, and we we've seen like Lincoln Riley flipped that USC roster pretty thoroughly. Hugh Freeze flipped the Auburn roster. Kenny Dillingham flipped the Arizona State roster. But nobody's flipped it as much as Dion flipped Colorado's roster. I do believe that if if this works, every single new coach is going to try that. You just said it, though. I, I w- Think about what we saw just a couple days ago. Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State, 55-ish new players on that yeah. roster. Jaden Rashada looked good at times. I think there's a lot of promise there, but that was a very sloppy, sloppy win for them. It was the a three-hour lightning. The, the, the weather oh. got terrible. I get. Yeah. I, I understand the weather got terrible, but that was an FCS opponent that is not that did not come in with a lot of expectations, and you squeak out a three-point win. Whereas again, Dion basically just says, "We don't need spring practice. We're going to bring in all these new faces." You know, I, I'm bringing my Louis too. Yeah, I mean the luggage. The luggage is is the finest of quality for sure. I mean, yeah. just incredible game. Speaking of first year head coaches who came from somewhat non traditional backgrounds, uh, we got a we got a little check on on our favorite fashion icon, Charlotte Coach Biff Pogey. Oh yeah, no sleeves on game day. Now we get to North Carolina and South Carolina. Drake May and Spencer Rattler, and of course. Drake may have had a lot more help than Spencer Rattler, as we saw. Spencer Rattler had a great game, but was sacked nine times. A North Carolina defense that looked much better than anything we saw last year. And actually, probably changed my opinion about North Carolina in general for this season. But we'll see, because it might have just been that South Carolina offensive line. But we also saw Penn State, James Franklin, uh, making some betters very happy and making some very angry. And an upset in Waco. It's me and J.D. Piquel breaking it all down. J.D., we had some some intrigue in the night games, and then it felt like teams just pulled away. And, well, we'll get to James Franklin and what happened with, uh, with the spread and the total at the end of that Penn State-West Virginia game. Let's start in Charlotte. North Carolina beat South Carolina 31-17. Drake May looks awesome awesome with the exception of a couple interceptions but the surprise is north carolina's defense sacking spencer rattler approximately seven million times yeah yeah they got i think about a third of his last year's total in one game and the unfortunate reality and andy you and i both know this like being the quarterback of a high profile college football team you're going to get a fair amount of the blame but I'm hoping we can all kind of hold our water a little bit here on the blame Spencer Rattler train because he was dealing tonight for what from what I saw. I mean, didn't turn the yeah. ball over a ton of times. Like he he was good Spencer Rattler tonight instead of what we've seen from him previously. Uh, just had next to zero time to throw the football. So you look in the mirror a little bit with what's up front and what you can do with that running game around him. But all in all, man, outside of Drake May's turnovers, like you mentioned, he was absolutely dialed in. I mean, they they were unstoppable tonight. Well, that scares you for South Carolina because after Furman next week, it goes Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida. And if you can't block North Carolina, you're not blocking these guys either. So uh, good luck with that. But um, Amari Gaynor, the transfer from Florida State, had a great night for Florida State or for, for North Carolina. And then I mean, the, the rest of their defensive front was just awesome all night. 
it was just pick a name. Like, who, who do you want to go get the sack next? Like, it, it was it was unreal. And what you mentioned about the rest of their schedule, like, going into this game, Andy, we talked about, okay, who's going to play any kind of defense, much less get to the quarterback 10 times. I don't think any of us saw this coming going into this one. So uh, for North Carolina to be the team that not just played some defense, played a lot of defense, you got to feel encouraged and kind of had your confidence boosted to, to play that way against a, a team like, like South Carolina, what Spencer Rattler did at the end of the year. But no, for, for South Carolina, like you mentioned, what they have ahead of them, uh, that climb looks a lot more steep than it did before this game. Yeah, and so you, you look at North Carolina, and Tez Walker was the big story coming in where he's still ineligible. They're, they're hoping to shame the NCAA into letting him play. I don't know if that's going to work. But they had nine different players catch passes. That's a good sign. Kobe Pacer was the leading receiver. Seven catches for 66 yards, but the, you know that's not a huge number. But Drake May was spreading it around, and I mean he just looked so comfortable back there, which I just wasn't sure in a new offense with a bunch of new receivers what that was going to look like. But he he looked very at ease. He just controlled the tempo of the entire game. It felt like like even when he was getting pressured, even when he had to step up and kind of extend plays, like. Never looked panicked, always so calm. And that was one of the questions going in was, okay, no Josh Downs, no Tez Walker, who's who's going to catch passes? And, I mean, we've seen that's, that's what great quarterbacks do is when you don't have that alpha dog wide receiver, you elevate the rest of your receiving core and you can go make plays for yourself. So I think with, with Drake May, outside of those picks, which I don't know if you're overly concerned about if you're, if you're a North Carolina fan, uh, they're, they're going to be in a lot of ball games just by the sheer fact of what he's going to allow them to do offensively. So he picked up right where he left off, it looks like. J.D., I'm wondering, do we need to reappraise North Carolina? I know a lot of people had North Carolina as kind of a, a, a long-shot ACC contender with Clemson and Florida State. This is a team that played for the ACC title last year. Maybe we need to consider them a potential ACC title contender again. I, I think that the assumption was that, that Florida State has taken a leap and that, that Clemson is going to be better with Garrett Riley. And we, we, we'll see Clemson play against Duke on Monday night. And we'll see Florida State play Sunday night against LSU. But, I mean, if North Carolina is going to be that disruptive up front defensively, there, there's a good shot they can play with anybody. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they look like once they play an offensive line that has a, a less Swiss cheese kind of feel to it. <laughs> yeah, if you will, when it comes to playing, right. I mean, I, yeah. I love the I love what Drake May does, and I think that he will keep them in every single ball game just by nature of what he does. I mean, he's he's special. Uh, I think they're probably in that three spot now. How far are they behind a, a Florida State or a Clemson? I don't know that answer. So I, it's a great data point, but I think right now you celebrate it as it is and maybe not try and project to what they'll be if you're a North Carolina fan right now. Yeah, uh, we got some got some angry South Carolina fans, pookie poo, not not happy with, uh, with Al Loggins' play calling. Bravo, Dave. South Carolina, unworthy of the hype. I'm not sure they were in, incredibly hyped anyway, but no, that offensive line is, is going to be a problem unless they can do something drastic and it, it'll keep being a problem. Uh, let's go to a team that did not have a problem on the offensive line. That was Penn State. Uh, they controlled this entire game against West Virginia. West Virginia hung around, was very pesky, was down only a touchdown at halftime. But Penn State pulls away. And yes, for those who had money on the game, uh, the late touchdown, and by late I mean very late with a backup quarterback in the game, covered the spread and hit the over. Mm, big for the people. I mean, James Franklin 
solidifying himself as a, as a man that truly is for the people, making sure we all get paid, who everybody had money on the over and the spread. I didn't know that was Except on the over, for those of too, us who Andy. had West Virginia cover and lose. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess in that way he wasn't for the people so much. But, no, I mean, I, I mean, first game of the year, you got your backup quarterback in there. I, I probably wouldn't do it unless I did have money on the game, but it is what it is. I mean, Drew Aller looked good, though, man. He was, he yeah. was as advertised in this kind of sense. Well, and that's the thing about him that we kept wondering, okay, how much of an upgrade, if at all, will he be over Sean Clifford? You saw tonight, there are a lot of things he can do that Sean Clifford just couldn't. The, the, the one play where he ducks under about two rushers, steps up, and then just unleashes one. I mean, you were never going to see that from Sean Clifford. That's not That was the play, yeah. That was an NFL throw, and that is, you know – the, the body control and the escapability. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that, that they've been waiting for in state college. And then you had, you know, the, the guys up front, Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter were in Garrett Green's face all night. I West Virginia's line is actually not bad. And they, they did a good job with them. So I think you're going to see them be very disruptive with just about everybody they play. And seeing, going back to what you said about Drew Aller, like, that is the one play that you can point to and say, that's what he gives us that Sean Clifford didn't. Like that play in itself, not to say Sean Clifford couldn't get out of that, maybe check it down, but to have the sheer arm strength where he just kind of flicks the wrist, goes down mm -hmm. to Keandre Lambert-Smith, strike up the band. Another one, he's rolling to his right. I believe it was one of his tight ends maybe coming across the field, or maybe it was Lambert-Smith. Yeah. Just effortless, back across the body almost, easy first down, just ma making it look so casual that vertical presence they have now with him playing quarterback that they have access to on top of the run game like that's why i think people are, are so high on penn state and to see it happen in game one andy you know i thought there might be an acclimation period might might take a second to see him in game one look that way uh you got to be fired up if you're in state well yeah those of us who picked penn state to make the playoff feeling pretty good about that and, and so they, they've got Delaware next week, and then they go at Illinois. At Illinois was one I was worried about. Remember, that that's Illinois came in there for the nine-overtime game a few years ago, and uh, I, that, that Bielema ball style slowing it down. Uh, Illinois did survive Toledo Saturday night, by the way. But, yeah, I, I want to see Penn State more because it it's very fun watching Drew Aller play, and you kind of imagine the possibilities of, oh, once this guy gets really comfortable – this could be really good. That's the scary part is it was game one. Like if this is the base where we're standing on, not to say there won't still be like some some peaks and some valleys, but if this is like the steady trend we're on upward by the time that it comes to games against Ohio State and against Michigan later in the season, like what version of Drew Aller are we going to get then? And also how does he react to teams having some more tape on him? So as a whole, though, what you said, like there's, there's just certain things that God gave Drew Aller that Sean Clifford just didn't have. And that's no knock on Sean Clifford. It's just right. what you're excited Not about. Not many people right have. Now. No, yeah. I definitely don't have. That's why I'm right here in front of this camera talking to you. Otherwise, I might be doing something else. I might be playing right now. But that's, I mean, that's just the reality. And it's one that uh, you're not mad at if you're a Penn State fan. No, it's it's something they haven't had. Because even Trace McSorley, as good of a QB as he was at the college level, didn't have the the kind of NFL measurables that Aller has. And I think that's probably what what gets you pumped about that. Uh, let's move on to a question from Michael Blair in the chat, and it's about another game. Andy, is it a week one overreaction to say that Dave Aranda needs to be fired before the end of the season? 
Uh, that's probably a bit strong. I don't think I'd fired it. He did win you a Big 12 title a couple of years ago. So I don't know that I want to fire him quite yet. But yes, uh, Baylor did lose to Texas State. G.J. Kenny's debut as the Bobcats head coach starting a party in San Marcos. And well, the, the party never actually stops in San Marcos. This just revs it up a little more. Yeah, don't think there'll be uh, a whole lot of sleep in San Marcos this uh, this upcoming. What if they Saturday. open the water park like oh, two a.m. at the water park to celebrate the? I, I think that I think that needs to happen <laughs> in Waco. So my wife Andy is actually a Baylor grad, and she's in the other room. So I'm gonna kind of keep my voice a little bit lower here. Oh, uh, but no, with with what we saw tonight with them scoring, I mean Dave Aranda specialized on the defensive side of the ball, and Texas State scoring forty plus points. Like, how did we get from winning the Big Twelve title to where we are right now? And it's interesting, too, that the public perception around Dave Aranda is, is very fragile because he is more stoic. He doesn't get as fired up. And so when, when they're winning, it's, hey, he's wise, he, he's, he's unflappable, he's calm. And when they lose, it's like, oh, he needs to land these guys more, more and show more emotion. Yeah. Why doesn't he get after him more? And so it's, I mean, you, you kind of look at it both ways depending on what happens in the game. And I understand that. Uh, should he be fired after this first game? I'd probably pump the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, I, we, yeah. we got a lot of ball left to be played. I'd maybe let this thing bake a little bit more than that. Well, the other thing is, if you were wondering where TJ Finley wound up, he's at Texas State, and he had a hell of a game. 22 of 30 for 298 with three touchdowns, no interceptions, and he ran for a touchdown. So TJ Finley, for those who don't remember, started his career at LSU he got thrown in there as a true freshman against South Carolina, played the game of his life, was incredible. We're like, this guy's not going to win a Heisman. And then the next week he goes, in, goes against Auburn and just gets destroyed. Winds up transferring to Auburn, saves their bacon against, oh, what one, what, what FCS team did he save them against? Was it was Samford? It Samford? I believe it was Samford. Yep. That sounds right. Saves their bacon against Samford, probably kept Brian Harson employed a little bit longer than, than he was. And then now he is at Texas State, and he was dealing. Baylor was not ready. And also, they they got to Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin had his leg wrapped up, and uh, Baylor tried Sawyer Robertson for a little bit, but it just wasn't enough, and it didn't work. So uh, that, was, that was the surprise result of the night. That was probably the most surprise, other than obviously Colorado beating TCU at the beginning of the day. That was, that was the shocking score in the night games. Let's go to a not so shocking score, JD. But but there there are things to talk about with this not so shocking score, and that is Alabama fifty six, Middle Tennessee seven. Jalen Milrow started as we suspected he would, but he played until the very end of the third quarter. This was not a we're playing two guys to see. Jalen Milrow is their starter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very uh, Ohio State-ish, if you will, from what we saw yeah. earlier in the day. Hey, both guys yep. going to play, and then one guy just plays pretty much the whole game. Uh, I'm just curious to see what Jalen Milrow, he did some really athletic things against Middle Tennessee. Like the snap kind of goes past and picks it up, runs around, and, and scores a touchdown. I'm wondering, is that like, hey, is that Jalen Milrow week in and week out, just what you're going to get? Or is it, hey, we had Middle Tennessee, good right. for Jalen that, Milrow, but that's not going to be what it is. is yeah, the picking up a snap and scoring the touchdown is because it's against Middle Tennessee. Right, like, right. That ain't happening against Texas next week. That's we a got sack bigger problems or in Texas. that's a, yeah, it's a sack or a, maybe a gain of one or whatever. But that's that's the part that they got to figure out. I didn't think their passing game looked particularly dynamic, maybe because it probably didn't need to be. But whew, 
this is this is who they're going with. Like that that is the decision that Nick Saban has made. And you know, Tyler Buckner came in second. I think that was what we were waiting to see was who who comes in second. It was Tyler Buckner. So there there you go. If Jalen Milrow falters against Texas, we're probably going to see Tyler Buckner. That's that's the safe bet. Hey, who's to say they're not just saving Dylan Lonergan for that first series? Trot him out there, ambush just Nick Saban, just sneak attack on Texas. Dylan Lonergan's warming up the arm. But no, I mean, like you said, there there is no there is no two way go here at Jalen Moreau's team. I I can't I can't tell if you're doing that to uh, to get at me or to get at the Bama Online message board posters who feel like me. Like we we've adopted Dylan Lonergan. He is our te- he, he is our pet cause for the year. So, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm just waiting. <laughs> just I'm here waiting. for it. I, you never, you never know with uh, with how things can go in Tuscaloosa and how volatile that uh, that quarterback room seems to be. But no, having having the best athlete on the field playing quarterback, it's hard to make a tremendous argument against that unless he's turning the ball over a ton, which which he didn't. So all is good right now. But we're going to find out a lot more week two without question. One more night game I want to talk about, and it, it was Georgia and UT Martin. Georgia started very slowly in this game. The offense looked pretty sloppy for the first half, and then it just sort of started rolling. So I don't know how worried I am about Carson Beck. And honestly, like they got Ball State after this, and then they get their defensive line against South Carolina's offensive line. So I I don't know what I would even worry about them. It kind of reminds me of last year with Kent State. Like we're checking the box score, and we're like, whoa, Georgia's – like what is it with Kent State? Yeah, they're, they're up, but like that margin should be – much much wider and then george went on and kind of just kicked it into gear and also i mean like you said andy carson beck new quarterback also new oc and mike bobo so i think there's an acclimation period I, I imagine they kept it the epitome of vanilla in terms of what they have in that playbook so not, not tremendously worried like you said but uh i mean i hope we learn a lot about them against south carolina i hope that's the game where we kind of see a little bit more of the horsepower even though i don't know that we will i hope spencer rattler doesn't die when they play georgia that's that's <laughs> what i hope I mean, I'm just, we're not, we're we not trending tonight, in the right that way. That could be awful. Uh, Texas A&M, New Mexico, that, that looks smooth. Connor Wegman looking in control of that offense. We talked about it this week. The nightmare scenario was if they, they scored 21 or something like that. No, no, they, they got over 35. It All is well. They're ready to head to Miami and, and play a Hurricanes team that, that now has a running game. So, I'm, I'm kind of excited for that game next week. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what could have happened in week one with Texas A&M, like, you know, you, you should check this box, right? But even so, last year, like, against App State and how that went and how they didn't look, like, super clean the first couple of weeks of the season. Like, so far, it's like the theme of this week was look how you're supposed to look against the teams that you're supposed to destroy. Uh, now, obviously, South Carolina, North Carolina, different games like that have, have other – you know, assignments to them. But for Texas A&M to, to look the way they did, like, okay, great. Stage is set for Miami. Let's see what you got in that game. Yeah, and what else this week stood out to you? Obviously, I got, haven't gotten to talk to you about Coach Prime yet. What, was, what were your thoughts as you watched that game? The amount of pressure on Colorado. Even the TCU was, you know, national title runner-up and all these things with the expectations for them. Like, the team that won one game a season ago – had all the hype, had all the pressure, and they went out there and just absolutely delivered. Like, if I had no idea which team finished second last year in the national title race, I would have said, oh, that, that Colorado team, they, they seem like they have it together, and they mesh so quickly. Like, I don't know about you, Andy, but 
once they had that field goal blocked, yep. I was like, okay, this could be the turning point. Like, what do you have when you get punched in the mouth and things don't go your way? Because they started so fast. And then for them to just answer scores, continue to battle, find a way to get that stop on fourth down to win the game, like the, the composure of that team just blew my mind for 86 new players. It was unbelievable. That's the thing. I mean, people were like, nobody played any defense in that game. No, Colorado played defense critically at times with the fourth down stop, the Travis Hunter interception near the goal line. I mean, they, they did make some incredible defensive plays. That in general, they gave up a lot of yards, but they were playing a very good offense. It, like, they were playing a much better offense this week than they're going to see next week. Oh, without question. And they'll, they'll be at home next week. They'll be at their place with altitude and all the things kind of wind at their back a little bit more. And the interception in the red zone, that was huge by the one individual that did stay at Colorado with Trevor Woods making that play. Like, it, it, it's not going to look great in the box score, like you said, but the moments that it came at where, like, you have to be composed, you have to make a play, like, Colorado did that in spades. And, I mean, th there's no such thing as a bad win, especially given that they had one win a season ago. It's interesting because it feels like the, the guys who were supposed to look like stars have looked like stars. So Caleb Williams had another great night. The, the, the highlight we saw, I mean, they crushed Nevada, but the highlight we saw from that game where he's just dancing around, I mean, it's magic. Drake May looked every bit the Heisman contender. Shador Sanders put his name in the mix, but Travis Hunter is the best player on that team. So I would say his name should be in the mix. I mean, if we power ranked Heisman candidates, and I get, I get it, it's only one week. But Travis Hunter, I mean, we have not seen anything like that in years. It was unbelievable. And for folks that decided to watch college football for the first time today, like Which that is a superhuman kind of effort. I think he played over 100 snaps combined. Like, yeah. you, even at the high school level, you don't really do that. Like maybe some small high schools, but it's becoming less and less common to get that many snaps and to not just be, I think Joel Klatt talked about it. He's like, he's not just out there playing quarterback and something else. He's not out there playing like, you know, a position where you don't exert yourself. He's running with receivers and then going and playing the probably yeah. the top receiver on TCU's team and being extremely effective. And, and they tested him. I think he got targeted like seven times on uh, when, when TCU had the football, when he was playing corner. Like, just the fact that I even have to specify that he was being targeted as a corner and not a wide receiver in this conversation uh, just tells us all we need to know about the effort he put forth today. And I'm so fascinated to see like Jenny Tapp asked Coach Prime, like, hey, how do you keep him fresh? And his answer was, he is him, which, which is great. But I'm just I'm curious, biologically, what that means throughout the course of his season, how we keep him healthy. But remember, they did this at Jackson State, too. So they, they have experience with it, even if we weren't all watching it game to game. So the, the, the thing about it that, that amazes me is somebody texted me, and I, I hadn't thought about this, but if Travis Hunter had gone through with, with – he was committed to Florida State forever – if he was at Florida State right now, I don't think they'd be using him like this. And that's not a knock against Mike Norvell. He's a very good coach. But nobody would even think to do that. No. Only the only guy who, in the course of history, has done it at an elite level, at the professional level, who happens yeah. to be his head coach and has a one and two on his jersey just kind of switched over. Uh, unreal. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no head coach in the country that would be using Travis Hunter this way. And, I mean, Coach Prime deserves a, a ton of credit for – the composure he showed that was top down throughout his team. And yeah, I mean, there's, I'm genuinely speechless the way that they, that they handle business today. Unbelievable. I, I love that they don't do captains. They do leaders and dogs, L's and D's. Is that what that is? I saw the if D. Somebody gave me like, an L. I, I think I'd ask means. for a D. I think I would ask yeah. for the D instead of the L. Cause I, I, you know, people are going to assume about the L, but JD, I don't wear an L. 
You get a D. You're, you're, hey, we're putting you. a D on your jersey you. next week. You're a dog. I appreciate you. Likewise, Andy. We, what a week. It was amazing. Hey, all right. Before we go, JD, let's let's give the folks what they want. Quick pick. Florida State, LSU, Orlando, Sunday night. Who you got? Andy, I've been terribly off base this weekend with my picks. So if, if, you're, if you're a betting man, I would fade me right now. Uh, I like LSU to win. I like LSU in, you know, in, in that sense not to cover, but I think they do win. So very, very close game. Um, I just think the team speed of LSU and the players they have playing in this game that weren't a factor last year with Harold Perkins. Uh, I think Jaden Daniels takes another step from where he was last year. So I like LSU to win. I think it's very, very close. And I think Keon Coleman Florida State goes. I, I think Florida State's going to have those receivers taking advantage of LSU's secondary. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, a close game. I think Florida State edges LSU. So Ooh. we are in opposition. One of us is right. This is good. This is good. Yeah. You can fade, <laughs> J.D. You can fade me. Just whoever whoever you like the least. But he's got the D on his jersey. That's all I need to know. Thank you so much, J.D. Thank you all for listening. Hope you are making your breakfast and listening to this podcast version. and just enjoying week one of college football because it's not over yet. You got Northwestern Rutgers, you got LSU and, and Florida State, and we got Clemson Duke on Monday night. It's it's like the greatest.